is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Uh, and we are back, and we're talking about how the police are watching you, and you are watching the police. Your mama. Um, no, we're talking. <laughs> we're talking the about. Police are uh, watching your mama. We're talking about body cameras, uh, <laughs> which are a thing these days. They're becoming more widespread. Not those um, body cameras. A lot of people <laughs> who are part of the police accountability movement think that they're good, but there's also some uh, logistical issues with them, and there's also some issues about privacy that have arisen. Um, I am going to speak specifically about the NYPD's pilot program, since we are here on WHCR Harlem Radio. We're broadcasting from New York, but many. Many of the things that I mention are going to be issues that come up with any police department all over the country that is going to institute this kind of program. And so while the quickie I may be giving right now may be a little New York specific, uh, the bigger picture is these these pieces of legislation authorizing the use of body cameras are going to be going into effect all over the country. And some of the issues that we're going to see here in New York that have arisen are also going to be issues in other places. And that's why you should care about them. So um, what is this all about? As part of its 2013 decision, um, the, a federal court found that the police department, NYPD's stop and frisk program was unconstitutional. And this federal court ordered the police department to conduct a one-year pilot program to test out cameras in five precincts that had the highest number of police stops. The department, when I say the department, I'm talking about the NYPD, although I will try and say NYPD. Um, but they plan to give cameras to several dozen officers. All of these officers were people who volunteered to wear the cameras in order to test out the technology and to do a little study to figure out how this was going to work before they spent the money to give all 34,000 or however many officers are now in the NYPD cameras. The outcome of this trial program is likely going to be the key indicator in judging how well the NYPD has been complying and improving under its court orders. Um, and also, it is likely to be an indicator of how the NYPD should proceed before they spend money to give cameras out to everybody. Uh, body cameras have also been embraced by the Obama administration. Um, they've been embraced by the families of those who have been uh, unarmed black men who have been killed by police officers, and they've actually been embraced by many police departments across the country as a primary tool for improving police community relations. The reason why individuals like the cameras is because they show an objective um, you know, story about what happened, generally speaking, which is something I'm going to get into in, about a, in, a, in a few minutes or so about why they can sometimes be skewed to leave out some of the context. Um, and they've also been embraced by the police department because, you know, a lot of times people really do file false complaints against police officers and they claim that things happen that really didn't happen. So the cameras also protect police officers that are actually doing their job, right? Putting aside institutionalized racism because uh, that's obviously a bigger picture issue that we're not going to get into. Um, and so sometimes they vindicate good officers who really are doing their jobs, right, from false complaints against them. Um, and that's why police departments like them as well. So these cameras, as I already mentioned, can provide documentation of disputed encounters and they're a check on the behavior of officers and also on civilians. Uh, policing experts say much of this all depends on how these cameras are used. That's the context issue that I really want to get into and also to what degree these images are shared with the public. 
54 officers wore body cameras while on patrol in New York City as part of the pilot program. Before they uh, decide to expand this program, some policy changes are definitely in order, uh, said the inspector general for the New York City Police Department in a report that was released last Thursday. One of the things he said was that officers should be directed to turn on the devices more frequently when they are engaging suspects and less often when they are with victims and informers. So let me play that out for you. A lot of what they saw was that the officer would turn the camera on um, after the encounter had already started rather than before it started, which means you can leave out a crucial piece of evidence about the first, you know, 30 seconds or a minute of a police encounter. But the other problem was sometimes police would leave them on when they were talking to victims, like the victim of a sexual assault, or when they were talking to an informant, somebody who was snitching on other people about something that was going on in the neighborhood. And so the report said... They really should turn them on sooner when they're having encounters with suspects, but they should shut them off for privacy reasons. If I want to tell you about, for example, how I've been sexually assaulted, I don't necessarily want that to be retained in the camera and potentially be available when somebody from the public, maybe my assailant, wants to send out a FOIL request, which is a Freedom of Information Law request, to see the interview Mm -hmm. that I gave with the police department. So there's definitely some issues about privacy and about victim services because, you know, there has to be a balance. Um, Another thing that the inspector general said was that the video that was generated on patrols should be kept for at least 18 months rather than the 12 months under the current policy. The reason for this is is maybe somebody wants to file a lawsuit. I mean, I'll give you an example. Federal law allows three years for you to file a lawsuit from the date of the incident under Section 1983 of Title 42. That is the section that lawyers use to bring civil rights actions in federal court against the police department. If a client comes into my office and let's say it's three or four days before the three-year period of time would run for me to file the lawsuit and then I file it and then I the person says, well, it was on a body camera and they're only retaining the stuff for a year, that means that that video is now gone. In fact, I personally think that the video should be kept for up to three years, not even 18 months, right. to deal with this issue of it tracking the amount of time somebody has to bring a lawsuit against the police department under federal law, which is three years. So I actually think that should be expanded personally to three-year period. Um, Also, the inspector general said that the consequences of failing to record when you have to do so should be made clear, Um, uh, which is if an officer does not record when he is supposed to, officers should know, you know, you did not properly record and these are going to be the consequences of your actions so that this isn't just something that has no teeth, that officers actually take it seriously. Um, There's still some questions that remain. Basic questions such as the use of the, um, sorry, including how much discretion officers should have in deciding what to record and when. I already mention that? Who should have access to the video footage? Should it be the general public? Should it be lawyers? Should it be um, policy activists? Um, Who should be able to access it? And um, when officers should uh, have full discretion? Some officers actually left their camera running the entire time. That wasn't helpful. Um, It recorded too much video. And sometimes it recorded these interactions that shouldn't have been recorded that lead to privacy concerns. That's another concern that I have, which is now the government is walking around and they're recording everything all the time. What's to stop them now from going back and looking through, getting somebody to look through all that video and say, oh, you know, we didn't catch this at this time, but this person was committing a crime, you know, and we have it on video. So 
you know, two years later, we're going to show up at somebody's house because we now went back through all these videos because the government is constantly walking around monitoring everything that everybody's doing. So that's a real concern as a privacy advocate is I want stuff to be on camera, but I also don't want everything to be recorded that it's like Big Brother where it's like a camera is running 24-7 on every American citizen in the country who goes out on the street. Uh, That's another issue that needs to be um, worked out. Um, Anyways, last but not least, I want to talk about one more thing before we close out the show. But among the most significant recommendations is the report urges the broadening of routine interactions and says that officers should record all investigative encounters. Uh, The current guidelines require that an officer record where there is, quote, unquote, reasonable suspicion of a crime. But the report said that the threshold was too limited and could miss key elements preceding a street encounter. I already sort of mentioned that earlier. At the same time, as I said, the inspector general said that when there's investigations about certain sex crime victims, abuse, children and informants, there should be limited amount of recording on that stuff. Um, And the inspector general also says that we should have a standard model notification alert to people who are being recorded. Um, What that means is people should know that they're being recorded when they're on the street. And the inspector general proposed uh, that the police officers, similar to Miranda, you have the right to remain silent, would have to say, I am advising you that our interaction is being recorded. If this is adopted, it would become a staple of policing, same as you have the right to remain silent. Um, So I definitely think that cameras are good. I can't wait to see the NYPD implement them, but there are some significant issues that need to be worked out. And it was very smart of the NYPD. And yes, that's right. In once in a while, I am praising them. Um, So (laughs) I think it was very smart of the NYPD to do a test run. And I actually think it would be smart of them to do two or three additional test runs before this goes live to everybody. This way we have this down and we know as the public and the police officers know and everybody is on the same page about what's being recorded, when it's being recorded, and then how long we're keeping those recordings for. Yeah, beta testing makes sense. So guys, we got to get the hell out of here. Oh, can I just mention we won't be doing a live show next weekend because it's Harlem Week and WATR will be broadcasting live from Harlem Week. So look out Harlem for... Harlem Hospital. Harlem Hospital. Thank you. So look out there. for us. Yes, and Stanley will be there. If you want to meet Stanley live in person, you can catch him at Harlem Hospital he next weekend. He will be Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio wearing our t-shirt look look for (laughs) the t-shirt look for the t-shirt we'll be back next week guys until then we have a question for you because we want to know why you haven't been donating yet and this song (laughs) is about that